acetone. Wisdom shared by the housewives and the occasional house husband of Scotland in the pages of the Sunday Post in the 1950s. Whatever will they make of it today? Hello and welcome back to the future part three. Three? I feel like we've done about 40 of these. I did quite like Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. That was a cowboy and western one, wasn't it? It was, yes. Uh Uh-huh. But (laughs) we've lost Connie already. Wow, that's a record for losing (laughs) Connie in the conversation. No, no, (laughs) just get on with it, Steve. What more have you got to tell us about the future? Well, we're going to start with with a promise to the the reader. Okay, hang on. Can you promise to me not to confuse me? Because the last two episodes, most of have been nonsense to me. Connie, this... This podcast is about confusing you. That's why it exists. <laughs> okay. Anyway. An elaborate ruse. <laughs> just to confuse Connie. You All it's ever about. Confused Connie. Can we make it, can we start off start in all fish. these podcasts and start another one? Sure anyway, thing. anyway. Because we strayed so far off topic in the last time. I'll take full responsibility for that. So we're not going to do it this time. Right? Right? Promise. I'm, po- I'm pointing fingers. I hereby swear. (laughs) To do my best. (laughs) Yep, yep. Right, so we're talking about the future as it was seen in the Sunday Post. And this was an op-ed written by the editorial team to say this is what our vision of the future. What's an op-ed? Is that copy from (laughs) Moped? Which of us gets more confused, do you reckon? (laughs) Oh, Connie. Definitely Connie. (laughs) I often wonder how... I often wonder how you function in the world because so much of so much things must go on. Oh, I just don't, don't understand. understand all this lingo. I still think the inside of Connie's head must be a lovely place to spend some time. Uh, uh, an opinion Plenty room. <laughs> an opinion-based editorial. Do you know what we've not had for a while? It's a good joke. Well, <laughs> one might argue. Oh, I've got one by the way. Across the whole span of our friendship, we've never had a good joke. Wait right. there. Do you want one? Yeah. Here we go then. Oh, what did Kermit say when he climbed up a tree? <laughs> oh no. Oh god. I'm up it. <laughs> did we do my shoes made of banana skins? Or did we just shout that across the office at each other? Go on. What do you call shoes made of banana skins? I don't know, Connie. What do you call shoes from made from banana skins? S- slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you promised. Okay, you promised right. listener. Oh yeah, so I did. So I did. Right. Can we talk about we actually dropped off here and didn't even discuss it last time because Connie went off on some <laughs> tangent. <laughs> Me? But in industry, the 30 hour week wait a minute, I didn't press the button. Oh, for God's sake. In industry, the 30 hour week will come in sight. Now, we never got near that. Even why did we? Because oh. you went back to curved tellies. And you went yeah, to phallic. Your things. answer to, yeah, your answer to <laughs> the 30 hour working week was curved I mean, telly. The 30 hour working week would be a treat, let's be honest. And of course, the theory is that if you're working 30 hours, you need more workers to work the other 10. Well, yeah, Whatever. I know what you mean. Let what me you take you back to the dim and distant past. <laughs> I worked for. A newspaper for my entire, we most of my entire this. working life. But when I worked for the Evening Telegraph, which was an evening paper, it was four editions a day. And I put it to you that we could not have got that out with the workers only doing 30-hour weeks. 
Because with more workers, that's the point. Yeah. And it creates more employment. But that would have made it less profitable. No, no. Uh, well, that's not the point of the 30 hour week. It's not, it's not to maximise capitalist pigs' profits. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting sapped in the morning. <laughs> Present company literally uh, excluded. <laughs> No, yeah. but like the, 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 in all is that the, the way you've always seen that? Really? No, 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 I, no, no. I've I've always thought of that as a we do more work in less time sort of thing. No, one of the points of the short working week is that Great. you um you you know if there's x amount of work to be done and you're doing x multiplied by 0.5 of that amount of work per person, then you need two people to do that x amount of work. So by having a shorter working week, it's not that. Well, you might create efficiencies and stuff, but the, the the point is that it can create more opportunities for employment. You'd be doing more job share mm-hmm. stuff and more yeah. kind of shared. You know, you'd structure businesses differently. I just think we should work Friday, eh, Saturday, Sunday, and be off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, because you'd miss the football on a Saturday. No, God. The Atlantic will be crossed in a few hours by jets with a maximum speed of 2,000 miles per hour. That absolutely did come true. Uh, Just 1,700 miles an hour or something, I think Concorde was, was, but yeah. yeah. I was a way to say how fast does a plane travel. I'm not aware of, I mean, I know it's faster than 200 miles an hour, but... It's about 600? Get cars at 200 miles an hour, is it? Yeah, but Concorde could do, Concorde was a... Supersonic. And extremely impractical, I believe. Yeah. The Formula One of of aeroplanes. And of course, we just, just, there's not really... the demand for it, no, I suppose for that kind of transit, you know. Yeah, but but there, I I will absolutely, you know, lily livered liberal green uh, wet <laughs> salt that I am. There is some. Oh, I think you're talking yourself up there. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is something deeply romantic, and I don't mean this of you know gazing into your loved one's eyes, but something very kind of um, compelling narratively about that idea of you know breakfast in London, lunch mm-hmm. in New York. That yeah. that that, yeah. that, that yeah. you know being able to to globe hop like that it just feels super exciting i would love that yeah yeah true but you can go to like dublin for a day like we've done that before you can yeah. get flights to dublin for like yes. 20 quid yes you can yeah and it's amazing mm. i love dublin in fact our uh, local airport here in d is about to restart its flights to belfast which will be cool never been yeah. to belfast before i mean that no i'd, I'd like to go I'd like you in. <laughs> wonder if we've got any irish listeners we have have we mm-hmm. oh do we would you Invite let Connie into your country? Yeah, of course you would. Dear Irish listener. Well, I can down the Guinness. But well, that's Dublin. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, Whatever. I don't think that's actually part of getting in. There was a Should be. thing I was reading the other day about Concord, and oh. it was all completely... Uh, man. If, th- if you think about what was achieved with the tech they had when they built it, mm-hmm. it's a sensational engineering yes. achievement. Um, and everything was analogue and, and manual except for... Oh, some subsystem of air inlets or something that had to be done by computer. They couldn't work out how to do it reliably um, with uh, with manual controls. They just couldn't get it to respond quickly enough. Wow. So they did the, the tipping up and the bending of the nose. I was can't all... remember what bit it was. <laughs> right, anyway. I'll remind you that we're talking about things that the Sunday Post thought would happen in the 1960s. Here's one of them. In athletics, seconds will gradually be knocked off the mile record until it will be run in three and a half minutes. Now, we're not even <gasps> close to that. A three and a half minute mile? Yeah. Nah. It's about three That's impossible. 46, isn't it, at the moment? 
Roger Bannister. What did he do? Four minutes. Four minute mile. Okay. I thought it was two minutes. So I'm going. That's ridiculously fast. I think seven minute miles are good, but obviously not. <laughs> I mean, they're not actually. They're actually all right if you were just a. I, I used to go football training, and the, the trainer chap said he'd, his ambition was to get us all to be able to do a five-minute mile. Yeah. And we thought, no problem. Couldn't get near it. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was quite fit. Well, you've just got little legs, though. <laughs> but it's definitely true, isn't it, that um, the seconds have been shaved off, and in some cases have been, like, massive leaps. Mm-hmm. Who was it said... Uh, it was a sportsman of some kind said, you know, once one person's done it, it shows that anybody can do it. Pass. Right, okay. I don't know who said that. It's, I'm not entirely sure. That's Sounds true. like something Andy Murray would say. It's a bit no, boring. it was it was it was it was a sort of classic. I'm gonna look it up while you tell me your next tip. Okay. Oh. The next one is it's about sport again. And one dear to my heart. Heated grandstands at football grounds. Pitches free from frost and snow by electrical soil heating. That happened as well. Say Apart that again, from, electrical soil heating. Well, that's what it says there. It's under soil heating, as we understand it, at football grounds. Oh, sorry. Okay, right. And they've all got that nowadays. I don't think we've well, got they, heated grandstands, though. They don't, they surely all can't have that, because you wouldn't get frozen. You mean in proper stadiums and stuff, though, right? Yeah, okay. senior, yeah, yeah, professional yeah. football, yeah. yeah. But I like the notion of a heated grandstand. I've noticed that the older I get, the colder I get. It's really quite worrying. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Well, and they're not because your me. blood gets thinner or there is a science, your bones get brittle or I don't know. Is there? I'm sure there is a science behind yeah, it. Chris's that's nose why... wasn't in, inside yeah. his phone. No, I can't. I'm trying to find the source of that quote. I can't find it. It's really annoying me. I'll put it on the <laughs> socials. Uh, the pass it on pod on Twitter or pass mm-hmm. it on tips on Facebook. What's your opinion on old people being cold? It's a circulation thing, isn't it? Is that what it is? Oh, it's circulation, because that's what keeps that's what yeah, keeps the warmth like warming extremities. I did think it was a blood kind of related. Yeah. There, there is something thing. as well. Um, it's uh, really, it really happens, I'm telling you. It's we awful. We are in uh, one of our rooms in DC Thompson headquarters in Dundee just now, and it's a wee bit toasty. We need to adjust the heating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, I keep coming back to these um, inequality things. Uh, a lot of the work for setting um, office environments was done by men. And actually, women generally are colder than men. So the the this, the heating that's set in offices as a kind of, you know, this is just what everybody will like, actually is too cold for women. Yeah. yeah. Too cold for me. <laughs> too cold for me. I, yeah, well, well, not, not, sorry, not right now, but I'm always cold when I sit at my desk. We are going to take a little break and we'll be just back in a few moments. Ho, ho, ho. The Pass On books make the perfect gift for Christmas, or even any other time of year, especially for your favourite older relative who'll find lots in there that they'll recognise. You can get 20% off the Pass It On books at dcthompsonshop.co.uk by using the discount code THRIFTY at checkout. And, as Santa famously always says, check the episode notes for details and terms. Here's your bonus ad break tip. When hanging up Christmas decorations, thread a piece of fine string through the centre of paper chains. This prevents them tearing apart or falling against fires or electric heaters, so keeping you safe. Welcome back after our little break. Steve, what more 
futuristic nonsense. Well, actually, it's not nonsense really because most of it's come true. But yeah, some of it's come yeah, true. It's yeah, reasonably good. Accurate. Hit, mm-hmm. Reasonably good hit rate. Right. Yeah. I'm going to uh, kind of sadly talk about Scotland because, well, you'll see what I mean. It's not sadly. Well, well wait, 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 wait. Mm. Yeah. By 1963, Scotland's new strip mill at Ravens Craig will be producing up to 500,000 tonnes of steel per year. And it did go on and do that. And now it doesn't do that at all. And although it's a heavy industry and is very much thought about as the past, I think that's a terrible thing that Scotland no longer has a steel mill. I actually confess I didn't know we ever had steel production in Scotland. It feels like a very North of England thing to me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Tata, Ravens Craig in Motherwell, um, which is why Motherwell's called Steel Town. It was a very apparently Motherwell's called Steel Town. <laughs> what did the football team get called? Steel Men. And go. all because the that was Scotland's steel mill, but it is no more. And I mourn the loss of Scotland's industries like shipbuilding and yeah, steel production. I think we were a a more I don't know. I think with more confidence in ourselves when we were producing all the ships and producing steel and mining and don't know, it felt the like a better ca- place. The counter argument to that, or you know, the devil's advocate argument to that is that you know Scotland is a very service-based economy these days, yeah. and you've got in Dundee where we are as, as we record, we've got a very important games industry here creating. You know, Minecraft came out of here, Lemons came out of here, Grand Theft Auto comes out of here with Rockstar North. Mm. Uh, and it does punch above its weight. Um, does it do much for the economy, though? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Does it? Yeah. And you've got Aberty, of course. I think that's the... su- surprising, almost. Well, I think these new things should have come alongside the old things. Yeah. Um, and actually, Shame to lose the tradition it is. of it. And here's another, here's another tip that the Sunday Post gave for the 1960s. Scotland will have at least one car factory. None. We've got, I don't think we've got any major car factory at all now. We don't produce our own cars. Did we? Did Scotland ever produce cars? I don't we know. We produced the Hillman Imp for a while. Where was the Rover factory? I don't know. There was a Rover factory. Was there? Rover factory. The Hillman so. Imp's a lovely wee car. It's my mum's first car. It's a very cute week. In fact, the yeah. Dundee Transport uh-huh. Museum, if you ever visit, they've got a little Hillman Imp police car. Oh, it's the they? most uh-huh. sweet looking little thing. Oh. Completely unthreatening <laughs> little yes. uh, yeah. I don't think they had the greatest uh, track records for... Um, Street cred. Well, no, for liability. Not that, but for liability and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So British Leyland, same thing. Here's another one then. A heliport in Glasgow by the mid-60s. Intercity helicopter services throughout Britain. Helicopters were new. Yeah, and shiny and exciting. Yeah. It's actually not a very good way of getting about. It's not a very efficient way of getting about, except no. for, you know, those very important point-to-point things like rescues or, or whatever. Yeah. There's a heliport in Aberdeen still, isn't there, for getting folk on and off the rigs? Yes, yeah. there is. Yeah, a big one, actually. In fact, I did not read, that's Europe's busiest. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. be surprised. There's heliports. There's a, a guy who lives about a mile from my house that has a heliport in his garden because he has a helicopter. Were you ever, Steve, hmm. one of those people who was sort of, you know, promised a jetpack? That's the sort of classic. Yes. Do you? Do either of you remember the TV show Tomorrow's World? No, don't you be ridiculous. Funny. I remember all of it, but... 
Right. I never saw it. Every single week, it used to promise us things like um, <laughs> jetpacks, cars that floated, like on Star Wars. Um, we would all be wearing silver jumpsuits. And <laughs> meals and pill form. That yeah, did meals come and, true in the 70s. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it did. But as I recall watching this in the early 1970s, virtually everything was promised by the year 2000. Yes. And it never, none of it. Like Busted in the year 3000, they promised it too. <laughs> sure. Right, whatever you're talking about, mm. I thoroughly agree or don't agree, depending <laughs> on what it is. There are uh, a lot of things happening just now with personal um, drones, in effect. You know, mm. these you know, four horizontally set uh, rotor blades. But the, the problem with it is, because of course the um, it's a very... Uh, elitist view of things because part of the reason we like the idea of you know cars that fly and and um, personal helicopters is it you know gets you above the traffic jams and you can then just you know screw whiz about. Whiz about. But but the problem there is of course that only is true if there's only a small number of you doing it, i.e. if the rich people are able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if everyone did that, then the, the skies problem. would be congested. I don't think that's the case at all. We would have. As we have lanes on roads now, we would we'd have sort We've of got lanes in the sky lanes. as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. those exist. We just for, don't know them. Yeah, uh, but imagine trying to do a three-point turn in the sky. <laughs> Still <laughs> loop your loop. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I doubt. Are you a good driver, Connie? I think so. <laughs> what do your passengers well, say? Well, no one's died, so um, my dad was a rally car driver and my brother's an excellent driver. My dad did his police test for driving. I think my brother probably did one as well. Um, and I liked, I'm definitely do not take after my mother's driving because that is a white knuckle ride. <laughs> there are parts of my driving I feel like I could improve on. But um, I actually do consider myself to be quite a good driver, yeah. A fast driver. But. Ah, now we're getting to it. Anyway, I'll give you another tip. No, it's not a tip. It's a prediction. On the football pools, the prize for the treble chance will reach the staggering total of £1 million for a tuppence stake. Um, I don't really get that. That's obviously a bit in reference, and I do not understand. I don't, do you not I don't, know, I don't know what the pools are. Yeah, yeah I do. You, oh, dearie me. Listeners, you see what I've got to put up with? You don't remember what the football pools well, are. Well, my mum's friend, the football pools are still a thing. They are still a thing. Because my friend, my mum's friend, best friend, had the biggest ever, still to this day, football pools win. Really? Three million. That just over well, three million, I think. Asking for a fiver. He's alone of a fiver, mate. The football pools were regarded as a, the holy grail. It's like heaven. And um, every single week, uh, me... And all adult males would sit down and look at the list of fixtures that would be about 50 or 60 fixtures. And you had to predict which ones would be score draws because they're quite rare. And Was that all you had to do? That was all you had to do. It sounds easy, doesn't it? No, no, no. But no, I'm not saying it sounds easy at all. But I I didn't realize. I thought I. I, So I'm aware, obviously, of the football pools as a cultural phenomenon, like Mm. doing the pools. Uh, it was a very big part of, especially working class life in Scotland. It wasn't so much a big thing in England, I don't think. Was it not? Oh, it was. Um, but I presumed, and it would be a betting thing, I knew that, but I presume mm. you'd be making predictions about you know, scores and wins who and won, or yeah. wins and loses yeah. and, and, and stuff. But uh, it was just score draws. No, 
to be honest, no, it wasn't just score draws. You used to get, uh, used to attempt to accumulate points. If it was a home win, that was one point. If it was a away win, that was one and a half point. If it was a, if you'd put your cross next to this game, it was a zero-zero draw, that was two points. But if it was a score draw, it was three points. And if from your eight selections you got 24 points, you won the jackpot. And if nobody else won the jackpot that week... And so these were printed in papers, I presume? And then how no, you- no, they were handed about, they were printed off by printing firms and they would be delivered to pool's representatives who oh. would go around their friends or workmates. In my case, it was always workmates. I see. And uh, we all did our pool's coupon and we gave it back to the pool's guy. Zool, where are you now? Zool was our pool guy. Zool. Zool. Zool the pool guy. Zool the pool guy, yeah. And who ran it? Littlewoods, uh, the same company who did shops. The catalog as, in people. Di- yeah. as in littlewoods.com. Yeah, they did. And it's so funny, isn't it? How that, that their <laughs> dynamic in terms of their brand has completely changed. Yeah, I suppose. Really, if you yeah. think about it. There's a few things that's happened. Like Nintendo, for example, first made playing cards. I guess from playing cards to... Yeah. Nokia was a fishing company or yeah, something, wasn't yeah. it? Um, uh, there's another big... Is it Nintendo made? Nintendo's like 80 or 90, 100 years old. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's older than that. Nintendo's it, are really, really old. I say playing cards. Was, was it playing cards, was it? Well, but so, but... so Littlewoods ran it. Littlewoods ran it. And so Littlewoods would send out packs? Packs of paper, of, yeah. And then, and then Boxes the... Of paper. the, the, the Representative would distribute them to their pals. Yeah. They would fill them in. Isn't that like the Avon catalogue? Give them back. Yeah. yeah. To that rep who would then do what? He would then take them to his area rep and they had to be under lock and key uh, by the time the game started, which is three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Could you only put one in per week? No, you. if you wanted to pay, you had to pay... You paid tuppence or something. Paid tuppence in the early 60s. You paid tuppence. I think it was up to about 25p when I last did it. More than that. But um, winning the pools was just seen as the most incredible, amazing thing. If then you, the lottery blew out the water. And then how did the money get to you from your area? Oh, uh, down, you down the chain from knock the on rep. the door for oh, really? the pools man. But he, he'd come round. He, he would come round. So because you know what, you're super local, so he'd know where you lived. Yeah. Know where you lived. And could you only win the jackpot or could you win? No, there were lesser prizes um, for if uh, you'd only accumulated. I mean, accumulating 20 points would, would be amazing. And does it accumulate week on week? No, no, no. Just um, within one, one week? Just within one week. And you could never actually tell how much money you were going to win. It was always a bit it all of depe- a... Did it always. depend on who, how many people yeah, had played? how many draws yeah. there'd been, how many people had played. And it was always a bit, uh, bit of a mystery, but people would dream of getting a, a knock on the door from the pools. And, and what kind of money are we talking? Um, well, famously, a woman... Oh, what was her name again? She was from Liverpool, I think, and she f- got the pool's money delivered to her house with all her neighbours around about. And she was asked, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to spend, spend, spend. <laughs> and it became... Have you never seen that film, Spend, Spend, Spend? It's her mm-hmm. life story. Yeah, I believe I have heard have of you? that before. Yeah. And she wrote a book as well, and it absolutely, absolutely ruined the poor woman's life. That's often the way with even more than lot of Incredible what it did to her. They did spend, spend, spend. They bought all sorts of mental stuff, but 
We're talking the equivalent of millions these days. Equivalent of millions. It would be equivalent of, she was a huge pools winner. It was over a million pounds that she won. And um, her first husband died and her second husband- In suspicious circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) No, she was was devastated. He bought a fast car, I think, and crashed it. And, but her life, she ended up working back on an assembly line somewhere uh, where she'd come from. And Vivian, her name was actually- um, and it just sounded awful. But the film, it was a TV film, famous in the, in the late 70s for uh, what the terrible things would happen if you won the pools. Seek that out. It'll be on YouTube, I bet you. I remember. Um, so I was aware of the pools as a cultural phenomenon because, you know, the, the, the phrase, are we winning the pools, mm-hmm. was very much part of the sort of cultural makeup yeah. of the country because it was yeah. a chance for somebody to get a, just a wee... A wee yeah. We boost. We boost. Just a wee something nice, and it might only be a tenner or, or something. Mm. But yeah. but that would be when somebody would buy a round of drinks, or they'd take their pal, their wife out for a nice slap up yeah. dinner or something. It was. Yeah. I think we all so need did, those kind of wee chances. Yeah. Did normal betting exist at the same time? Then, oh yes, that, uh, normal okay. betting went on as well, but none like the you couldn't bet on corners or red cards or such like. You can't yeah, bet. so you can ju- you can literally bet on and everything. Bet on anything, like yeah, I know. We were actually speaking about this in the office the other day. That you how how can you bet on? I can't remember what it was, but it was something as in like, how can you bet on X? And it was such a variable scenario that really you you would just you were just throwing your money away basically. I find it strange. I've been in Vegas a couple of times for uh, work, and uh, I think I'm right in saying that all sport betting is illegal in the states. US listeners, please correct me on uh, the Pass It On Pod on Twitter, but I think all, all sports betting is illegal in the States, um, except in Nevada, uh-huh. uh, obviously. And so th- so people can very, be very excited about suddenly being able to bet on things. And it was really strange because I was in, I was staying in the Mirage and there, there was a huge, huge wall, you know, tens and tens and tens of feet high with hundreds of tellies on it, all yeah. showing like horse racing <laughs> and stuff. And it was in this very glitzy environment. Yeah. <laughs> and just the, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, the so, contrast with like William Hill or whatever. On a, yeah. on a when we went to Vegas, we stayed in Caesars and there was a room exactly the same just around the corner from the slots. Like just, yeah, Vegas is mental. Right, just to end this guys, I've never felt so old doing this podcast as having to explain the pools. what the pools was. <laughs> well, I think we kind of roughly knew, we just didn't know the innards. Mm. Just think, <laughs> Connie, if this podcast's still running in 30 years' time. Yeah. I know, I'll be me. <laughs> You'll be you trying to You'll be the old person. I'll be explaining. Playing scratch Mic- cards. Microblading or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that is ridiculous, yes. Yeah. Join us again next time. Um, I have no idea what we'll be speaking about, but I'm sure it will be rather exciting Steve won't it do you want me to tell you you what I was speaking about no no don't ruin the surprise okay don't ruin the surprise you'll be interested you'll like it oh I'm sure I will join us next time for more genius or possibly madness from the households of Scotland in the 1950s and for more nonsense from us here in Scotland today see you soon Hiya, it's Chris here with a little personal appeal on behalf of Connie, Steve and me. We so love making this podcast and we hope to keep doing so for a long time to come, but we need your support to prove that it's worth doing. Now, there are three ways you can help us keep making episodes. The first, and the one that makes the biggest difference, is by buying the books. They're stuffed with hundreds of fascinating, clever and occasionally downright daft tips. And as Steve said, you can get 20% off with a discount code THRIFTY at dcthompsonshop.co.uk. 
Next, spread the word. Tell your pals to listen if you think they'd love it too. And if you tag the Pass It On pod on Twitter or Pass It On Tips on Facebook, we'll see you and we'll give you a big virtual kiss. And lastly, subscribing, rating and reviewing the podcast, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, help other people discover it when they're browsing and looking for things to listen to. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Even if you do none of that, we still love having you. See you next time.